was a pretty pretty gutsy move to to go with a Faustian conceit on this one, right? I mean, it's uh, it, it it's been around the block a few times. The, the, oh, yeah. the sort of the deal with the, I guess, death in this case, but yeah, which makes all the difference, really, because mm. you know that. Oh, um, oh yeah, we're talking. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're talking. Yeah. Is that, oh. oh my god, we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that um, it kind of does make all the difference. Mm, the difference if, between death and the a, devil. Yeah, the deal with death really focuses on what happens in the living world, mm. and you know, a deal with the devil. You're always it's always hanging out there. What happens beyond the yeah. veil? Uh, and I'm much more interested in what happens. In this world, mm-hmm. and and the story becomes increasingly about that, because my my character is is so obsessed with the idea of legacy and being remembered um, that he's not living in the, in this world in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. I mean, death is sort of understood. <laughs> you know, death, yeah. is, death is something that we're all, we're all facing. You know, hopefully. Um, It'll be longer than uh, than the deadline, and was it like three months or something? It was yes, very two hundred days. Yeah, altogether. very very yeah. short amount of time. But but I, I guess that's a big difference, right? Is you, yeah. you already know it's on the way, and exactly as, yeah. I, as I think they as I think he details at one point that you know it can always come sooner. Right, it can. Yeah, yeah. You, you just it's, you're not immortal just because you have the deal. Yeah, you can still uh, get hit by a bus. <laughs> yes, no guarantees. At what point? Because I, I know I know this is a story that's been floating around for a long time for you. At what point? Did that become the the thing that gelled it together? At what point did that the, you know did that really take take the character and, and make a book out of him? Well, you know the the the, the basic deal was always there. That was mm. one of those things that that came early enough that I yeah. didn't really think twice about it. Just an idea scrawled in a notebook. Um, but I like that as a framing structure, just because. Um, I think that that speaks to something that actually happens in this life all the time. We're always negotiating yeah. our our own deal with mortality, yeah. and we're always trying to weigh the value of things uh, inside of our life and things beyond our life. Um, I'm not I'm not a religious guy, and so so you know, in a lot of ways, I think that it distorts sometimes our understanding of the value of of what we do with each other and 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 in the physical world mm. during our days to to think that there's this counterbalancing agent outside of all mm-hmm. that you know it's very in many ways what i'm doing is i'm picking a fantastical fictional you know fanta- fantasy lever from which i can show you the world as it actually is yeah you know, I am positing a fictional world in which people struggle and live and die and make things and have relationships, and when they're gone, they're gone. Well, it, it, I, I don't happen to think that's actually fiction, yeah. but I have to have this supernatural element to get it across, you know? <laughs> the, the the irony of being a, kind of an ultra-realist and having to, to frame it in a, sort of a fantastical framework. Yeah, yeah. Uh, As a, and, and because, you know, I had an editor who was wise enough to convince me to to make sure that those aspects those sort of philosophical aspects operated under the surface yeah it also means that people can bring their own interpretations to it yeah and i am hearing from some people who see it as more more spiritual now i'm not a spiritual guy at all but you know i think that's fine i think it's 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 interesting that that people can bring that to the story and and allow that sensibility to mm-hmm. interact with it but yeah there's not there's not a lot of metaphysical 
uh, concern in, in my own personal philosophy. You do, and you do run the risk of hitting people over the head with that as much as you would. Exactly, the yeah, aspect. and I didn't want to do that just because it's yeah. bad art. Yeah. You know, like art that's just out to deliver this message and shove it down your throat. That's just, it's just not very interesting that way. So, yeah, this stuff operates under the surface, definitely. Is it helpful that it's it's an idea that people are already familiar with? I mean, you, you sort of, I don't want to say get it out of the way, but you, you address it and you, you kind of move beyond it pretty quickly as far as the actual deal happening. Well, yeah, there's a reason why this the, 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 that Faustian structure has shown mm-hmm. up again and again yeah. in, in literature. Yeah. Um, but I went straight to what I thought the strengths of that structure were yeah. rather than trying to create some kind of meta-commentary on mm-hmm. it. I'm... You know, there there have been some really great stories about stories in history, but I, I don't think I'm one to write them. Hmm. I've never been that interested in, in art commenting upon art, commenting about art. It says, You're saying this as a guy who drew, who's drew, 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 drawn several comics about drawing comics. Right, I do meta-comics, right, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that sounds yeah. kind, of, kind of strange, but, you know, in a lot of ways, understanding comics becomes a meta-comic by... Um, circuitous means hmm. that is i set out to tell a very clear uh straightforward um story of how this medium works and i actually drew it in a tremendously earnest and um practical way i just i had something to say i said it in mm-hmm. as clear a voice as i could but because I was using the medium to talk about the medium, the whole thing begins to shimmer a little and have a kind of postmodern, yeah. winky, nudge-nudge, ironic quality to Acknowledging it. Acknowledging the yeah. fact that he's living in a box. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Here I am. I'm yeah. in a panel. Oh, look at this. But that's really just yeah. that's just my attempt to say it as straight as I possibly could. And, and obviously injecting a little bit of, of humor and, and, you know, pretty... Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Know, straightforward yeah. text. Yeah. Um, I, but, but isn't there a little bit of... of of that, I mean, doesn't it, in a sense, get a little meta from the standpoint of, um, you know, this is this is an artist, this is a power sort of based on an er- earlier character that he drew, and he's really literally making his world into art, right? And but it's interesting that when when you mention that, the fact that my protagonist, in some ways, inadvertently made this wish. Mm-hmm without realizing it when he drew this comic at the age of nine years old where he had these sculpting superpowers. Um, That was one of the last things I put in the book. I had actually drawn the entire book and the opening wasn't working for me. I thought, you know, it's just not quite right yet. And I convinced my editor quite near the end of the process that I wanted to redraw much of the first 50 pages. Rewrite, redraw it. (laughs) <laughs> right when it's already done. Well, yeah, and I, 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 I've never, I've never edited books before, but I can't imagine that that is too often at the behest of the author. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's usually the other way around. But uh, the reason was in part because I felt like I hadn't dealt with kind of the meta message that people get of like, you know, is this a super, is this a superhero, yeah. a serious superhero story? Because there's something just like kind of awful about serious superhero mm. stories, but. There was a place where I think I needed to acknowledge my roots and I needed to engage in a little bit of meta-messaging. Yeah. Here we have this this 20-something guy who's living out the dreams of his nine-year-old self. Mm-hmm. But we also got this guy twice his age <laughs> writing and drawing the book, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and trying to evaluate and understand the wishes of the 26-year-old Scott. Right, because this this is a young man's idea. This whole book is a very yeah. young man's book. It's yeah. the kind of thing young men come up with. But here I was almost fifty when I started working on it, 
And, and so the challenge was, can I keep the vitality of the young man's idea, mm. but bring in the perspective of the guy who's been alive for almost five decades? It, it, it's interesting, too, you know, when, when we talk about um, th- this idea of, you know, of his time on Earth being finite and being particularly finite in this situation. Um, but, you know, your age, looking at somebody who is, uh, you know, again, like in, in his 20s talking about legacy. I mean, that's got to it's got to yeah. seem kind of silly. Right. <laughs> and yeah, I think we do think about that. I know I did in my 20s. Maybe sure. I'm just a freak. No, no, no. But I think I, yeah, young I'm artists you. yeah. start very early. They start yeah. thinking about like, can I do something important? Am I going to do something that's going to last? Mm-hmm. Am I going to do Are they going to build statues to me? Believe me. I think mo- even yeah. an 18 year old artist yeah. is probably already thinking about that, you know, while listening to Arcade Fire and yeah. just kind Kind of, you know, just imagining all the magic he can create in the world and how it's going to get him laid and, you know, they're going to write songs about him. I think that stuff starts to come in early. Yeah, no, it's 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 certainly there, but um, you know, you must you must have a very different perspective on it. Very at this point, although you know, although in a sense, you know, this is your attempt to make something really lasting yeah. and to make like really right you know i mean I know, talk about irony yeah i mean obviously you you have <laughs> multiple books out there and, and you've got this odd collection but like you i mean i've heard you talk about this book and you've been you're very you know very upfront about the fact that you just you needed to make a self-contained thing yeah yeah well there are a lot of levels to that on the mm-hmm. one hand i just like i've been describing it i have a big hole in my resume yeah. right you know yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. this thing there's this thing he hasn't done okay, Th- those I, who can't right Right. yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so i had to check that off yeah. the list that's on the one hand but also yeah here i am writing this book which is partially about letting go not getting so obsessed with yeah. the idea of legacy and leaving something behind and on the other hand yeah there's a part of me that wants this thing to be heavy enough that you just can't lift it off the planet you mm-hmm. know for a while that it's it's somehow going to be this kind of anchor that I leave behind. So, uh, so yeah, just like in the book itself, there's it's pulling in two different yeah. different directions at once. It's the big pretentious play for something that lasts, but it's also about how futile and ridiculous that is. I was I was talking to, to Gina about this earlier. You know, as I was uh, sitting in her office looking at all the books, and you know, there are several copies of the sculptor, and it really does stand out just from <laughs> you know a sheer girth. It's a large standpoint. It's a, it, you it's could a, stun a camel with that. You thing. can absolutely, you could, you could absolutely at least knock knock a guy out with that. Um, and I, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking back on you know the past ten, fifteen years of comics, and um, you know, I can think of kind of a, a handful, maybe two handfuls. Uh, granted, large handfuls of, of you know like five hundred, four to five hundred page comics, and it seems like universally, for the most part, people love them. There's something about the commitment, I guess, that you've really got to be attached to a thing to sit down and work on it that long. <laughs> but you know, you yeah. know, we were talking about like Craig Thompson yeah. and you know like uh, uh, Dash Shaw's book, mm-hmm. and um, you know all these really large books end up being the ones that at the end of the year that people love. Well, you know, I think we're craving that, that what Heidi McDonald years ago called that satisfying chunk, mm. you know, that unless she was quoting somebody else, that 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 idea of, of something that you can dive into. Because yeah. if you've really got real length, right, yeah. you can, within a few pages, you can lose yourself and stay gone. Yeah, I like movies that do that. I love TV shows. It's one of the reasons we like binge watching things is because we get to enter another world and stay there much, much longer. 
um, there's something exciting about that. There's, there's, there are reasons why uh, throughout the years that people have wanted to lose themselves in great novels. Um, comics doesn't often give us quite mm-hmm. that wide a world. You know, just as we're getting into it, it's over if, the, if it's, you know, magazine format. Uh, it's one of the reasons why a lot of mainstream comics tend to be kind of wordy, because you want to at least slow down, the at least delay yeah. the end of they're, the process. They're, they're sort of, uh, they're, they're that way on purpose, though. They're that way, in, you know, in the same way that a, a soap opera is that way, mm-hmm. to, to get you to keep right. buying it, you know, month to month. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But, but yeah, I crave that stuff, too. You know, when Habibi was coming out, the Craig Thompson book, mm-hmm. you know, I, I remember how eagerly yeah. I awaited that thing that I could just lose myself yeah. in. Um, I have to say, Habibi is longer than my book, but my paper was thicker. So I, I almost felt like we were cheating when I put the spines next to each other and I realized that my book was just as thick as his. Yeah. It's like, dude, that, that guy works so much harder it's for so much longer, you know, but I, I picked thicker paper. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we need we need a better show through. I have a couple of blank pages that are story pages, yeah. and if the paper had been thin, then the other page would have shown through. Mm. It would have ruined. So the you weren't going to print it on Norton Anthology. Yeah, so they, my, my, my publisher was super um, yeah. uh, uh, supportive in getting me like really wonderful paper stock. Are you somebody who? I, I mean, I've, I I think I know the answer to this question before I ask it, but. Uh, you seem like somebody, you know, maybe not quite, uh, maybe not quite an Art Spiegelman, but somebody who thinks a lot about <laughs> the book as as an object, the book, yeah. you know, as as how it's uh, how it's going to look. I mean, you know, paper stock is not something everybody thinks about. Well, I think about when when it has a practical effect mm-hmm. on the work, and this was one of those cases where yeah. it did. But you're right; I'm not quite at the level of somebody like Art Spiegelman or Chris Ware, who probably you know samples each and every stock and and insist on. A very exacting production standards. Here, I just I just wanted to make sure that um, the effect was was solid. But I'll tell you, it made a lot. It made a big difference to yeah. me. Uh, this is going to sound silly, but the first, second trim size. When we started this project more than five years ago, um, there were still a lot of people who were doing the old traditional comics uh, proportions mm-hmm. for graphic novels, and I always thought that was just too damn skinny. You know, it doesn't it doesn't sit well in the hand. It's not the right shape. And I like the first second had a more well, book like mm. shape and size. Um, and I agreed that they had, they had picked just the right trim. And and so having something that shape and size mattered to me too. The physical object. And I cared very much about the physical object, Mister Digital Comics here. Yeah. You know, I've been talking for years about yeah. about pushing digital to its limits. But in coming back to print, I want to push print to its limits. I wanted to really commit to my chosen format how how uh, might be a bit of a silly question but how committed were you to making a a long book (laughs) to to making a really to 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 making you know something for 400 pages long well you know i think that our pacing is off in comics i remember classics illustrated they did they brought it back. Dark Horse brought it back, mm-hmm. and they did a Moby Dick adaptation mm-hmm. that was like 48 pages long. <laughs> it was painted by Bill Sienkiewicz or whatever. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. You don't yeah, well, do that's Moby the, Dick in 48 pages. But Gra- Graphics Illustrated has always been Cliff's Notes for kids yep. who don't want right. to read Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. They say yeah. that the, the Hamlet's last yeah. words in the Classics Illustrated version were arg, <laughs> you know. But but um, I th- I thought... You know, to me, if you want to really pace it out, if you want to take an, a novel or a short yeah. story, a prose thing, and 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 really pace it out properly and give the fullness of it, it's probably going to be twice the number of pages mm-hmm. as the original. So think of my uh, uh, nearly five hundred page book here as like the equivalent of two hundred and fifty page novel. I mean that that's what really that's what really 
struck me about it is that the pa- the pacing of the book is is immaculate. I mean, it's I, it, you slow. are slow. I, like, I think it, the word it, it you're is, looking for is slow. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. But somehow it felt it, somehow it felt refreshing to me. Maybe that's what it is. I, I I guess it was in a sense. There's always stuff happening. There, you know, there there are things going on, and and and, and you know these magical elements do I, help a little bit. To but I think what, what you may be picking up on that when you're talking about the pacing is yeah. the fact that uh, it, a lot of it has to do with just the pacing of people in conversation. It's a simple thing. Mm. But when two people are talking, there are the words they say. But if you just transcribe those words, yeah. put them into big fat word balloons and make sure there's a face attached somewhere in the panel, you're not going to capture the pauses. You're not going to, mm. ta- uh, you're not going to capture... The, the cadence, you're not going to catch, capture the way a facial expression might change yeah. from one part of a sentence to another. If that emotional change takes place halfway through a sentence, I'm going to give you two panels. You're going to see that word balloon broken into two because emotion is action. And we're watching for those changes. If somebody goes from happy to sad or anticipatory to fearful, that matters. That's important. And that's something that a f- only a few artists understood yeah. when I was starting out, but more and more artists understand it, and they're working in all ages. That's what people like Raina Telgemeier or mm. Vera Brosgel, mm-hmm. they get that, and 14-year-olds reading their books, they all get that, that they're watching to see what's going on inside the minds of characters. That stuff is important, even if it's an adventure story or or magical realism or, or fantasy. What goes on in the minds of characters matters. And you can only do that if you're going to show the rhythm of the way that people express themselves. So, so your your fear is is that you you would lean too heavily on exposition, make it make it too wordy, for right? The yeah, fact wordy exposition. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like it, people can be saying something very interesting, but if it's just a big block of text yeah. attached to a kind of what what happens is you get the neutral face, right? The face is just like, well, it looks like Bob, but you know, he's saying a happy thing, then mm-hmm. a sad thing, then an angry thing. So just make it kind of Bob, just looking like he's saying a thing. You know, look around and you're going to see a lot of that. Yeah. You know, it's just like, well, can Bob look more heroic? Because he's a hero. You know, that's that's not interesting. And then after a while, it's like illustrated prose. Well, you know, let's let, let, let's be really pragmatic about it. You know, if you're sitting down and you're taking double double the panels, double the time, that's 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 twice the <laughs> takes art longer to draw. That you have to draw. Well, this is why one of the reasons why manga, which really favored yeah. those lengths for a long time. They drew them real fast. They had that gestural quality, right? Mm-hmm. And people read them very fast on the train. Yeah. But they picked up on the conversations. And there's a reason that manga was like 50 times as popular as American comics for many years. Uh, and that's partially it. It's because they were reading human beings. They were reading about the the interactions of actual people mm-hmm. instead of illustrated plots. So, so you think you think then then the, the you know the extra time that that you're taking to convey these things is potentially making it a a, a faster read. It can be, yeah. And yeah. Actually, apparently, there's what I'm looking mostly for is narrative traction. Mm-hmm. I would like it to be sticky. I would like it if your eye lands on a page and you just find yourself reading a panel. Yeah. I hope that that will suddenly you, you're you're stuck. Right. You're on the treadmill now. You yeah. got to read the next panel. Now you got to turn the page. Got to hope now you're you reading comics the on the treadmill. Yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but it's just yeah. it's just yeah. can I can I create a page turner? You know, when mm-hmm. I when I think page turner, I think hang on, hang on, you know, honey, you have to eat. No, 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 I just gotta just let me get to the end yeah, of this yeah, chapter. Yeah. I want that feeling. Yeah. And that comes from the sense that there's life on the page. 
Gina, Gina said you're going to hate me for this, but you know, I, I, uh, <laughs> I hear that a lot. <laughs> she starts laughing before you start. Laughing. I can't, I can't wait. <laughs> no, um, we should say Gina Gagliano. Gina Gagliano, the, yeah. the supreme public uh, relations. publicist, public relations yeah. person at First Second Publishers. Um, I, I got it. I got it early as as an electronic galley. No, oh. <laughs> the net galley. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I'm not. I I was. For a while, I would rather people get the net galley mm-hmm. than the printed galley because yeah. the printed galley printed light. The blue is mm. light on the printed galley. So even though reading it one page at a time galls me, right? Because it's designed as a spread. Sure. At least you were seeing colors that were closer to the real thing. Have you Have you looked at it on a on a tablet? Have you looked at an electronic version of it? I'm, I'm just yeah, I think parts of it would be readable. I think certain places it gets messed up. I mean, I have this, I have this blank two page spread. Yeah. Which is a real print-based, you know, idea where I'm I'm showing you something and it's just two blank pages, but it's incredibly important to the story. Mm. And I keep joking that I was like, I pity whoever it, whoever it was that put together the 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 ebook version, mm-hmm. which I'll probably never even look at. Yeah, I'm sure they did a great job, yeah. but but you know, the idea of like, what do you do? What do you do? Do you have like a little thing that says this page left intentionally blank? Yeah. You know, that completely ruins yeah, the, yeah. the... Or do you let people look at it and just say, oh, what's wrong with this thing? Whack, whack, whack. Oh, I want my money back. This, there's a page missing. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I guess you, you've got to be willing to let a, a little bit of go, especially when, when you're talking about a, a work of this size, that there are things that, uh, be it the format that people are reading on or, or the speed at which they're reading, or just the fact that, like, if you're reading a 400-page book, you're not going to pick up on everything. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not. Although, of course, one of the things I wanted to do with this one is to make it a... Uh, a very readable story and very easily comprehended, mm-hmm. you know, story from beginning to end. Yeah. But challenging in such such ways that when you go back and you read it again, you start noticing new things and new things. I want this to be a story that people can reread. You know, maybe even read kind of fast the first time, but then come back and now you start to notice things. You start to notice foreshadowing. There are a lot of rhyming couplets in in this thing. Not not in terms of the language or hmm. the dialogue. But in terms of scenes that yeah. rhyme with other scenes, almost every single scene in this book has a companion scene, some other part of the book that calls back to that first scene. They're like those. What are those? They're not quarks. There's there, or maybe they are quarks. Mm. There, there are these particular particles that they've oh, discovered yeah, yeah, yeah. that are Arch-tracted. like mirror, yeah, like yeah. mirror particles, where even if yeah. they're the, even if they're removed to thousands of miles away. Then, then you do something to the one particle, and yeah. it happens with the other one. There are lots of things in my book that are like that, where you realize, oh my God, this is the same structure as that other thing from two, two, three, four hundred pages ago. You, you, you strike me as somebody who's who's putting some stuff in here and just sort of waiting for that conversation with somebody <laughs> waiting. You know, be, even even if it's you know even if it's ten years from now, somebody comes up, yeah, and they finally. Oh, they I'm finally just I'm waiting. That. Like I, I'm like watching my clock, <laughs> just like okay, who's the first one yeah. who's going to notice that thing? Um. Yeah, they're Easter eggs of a sort. Yeah. But the thing is, I didn't. None of them were put in there. Uh, they all serve the larger. They purpose. all serve the p- yeah. purpose. Yeah. They 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 came in like they were gifts that the story gave to mm. me. Where mm. I realized, oh, you know, not only does this echo that, but it echoes it in a way that that immediately brings yeah. up these other things. A lot of it is because I'm using visual symbols. Symbols are really cool because mm. when symbols take the form of images then they have what i think of as valences you know how mm. like 
like you know you have so many neutrons electrons or whatever or protons i forgot which combination of it is in an atom it is in an atom that predisposes it to hook up with other atoms mm, right mm-hmm. symbols are that way negative too negative and positive charges yeah. and well know. it's a, yeah it's, it's something in yeah. the number of particles subatomic particles but obviously i'm not a <laughs> physicist on that level but um Symbols are like that, too. Mm-hmm. They have valences. Mm. And that means that there are certain aspects of them that even when you're using the symbol to mean one thing and combining it with other symbols, they have other ideas. They mm. have other chatter in the background that hooks up in new and different ways and begin to say things that you didn't even expect. Harmonic resonances. This, this is starting to sound loopy. But, but, but that they, you um, did start with <laughs> you know, quantum mechanics yeah. <laughs> and then moved from there. So but just, it's to be expected. Yeah, but just basically, you know, you can't throw yeah. six notes over here and six notes on top of it without creating yeah. some accidental harmonies. Hmm. And that's what I'm discovering left and right in this book is all these wonderful harmonies of unexpected meanings, things I didn't mean to say explicitly, hmm. but that the story winds up saying just in, almost in spite of itself. So you're saying that, that you, you're actually picking up on these. Once once these are actually committed to paper, then then you're picking up on these. Right, things. exactly. Yeah. And every once in a while, I'll notice one and go, yeah. ooh, but that could be, that could come across this way. Mm. You know, like there are a couple of places where, where something might be interpreted as having a, an overtly religious meaning that, yeah. I hadn't, that I hadn't even intended. Or maybe I intended something exactly the opposite, and I and I have to pull back a little and say because I just don't want to mislead people. I don't want to. I don't want them to feel like they've been deliberately led down a path that, in fact, was just this bizarre accident of language or images. You know, obviously, on some level, the the um, art is supposed to you know be able to, to speak for itself. But you oh, yeah. are you, you've made a career oh, out of being an yeah. explainer of. Art. I am a chatty guy, yeah. and it's going to be hard for me not to. So, you know, hey, did you catch this? Did you catch that? <laughs> it's going to be hard. Yeah. I'm kind of hoping some people come to me and say, hey, I just noticed this thing. Were you planning that? You know, yeah. like then we can talk about it. Yeah. But but yeah, otherwise I kind of have to keep my mouth shut about s- some of my choices. I'm telling you there are symbols. I'm telling you there's foreshadowing. Yeah. I'm telling you there are these match scenes. But I'm going to try to be careful about not actually telling you where any of them are it's not it's uh i guess it's 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 out in the world tomorrow by the time this goes up it will have been been, been out for uh, a little while yeah. um the interactions that you're actually going to have with people are going to be are going to be very different between between now and then you bet. um do you you know do, do you i don't know if it's combative but you know do you do you for, foresee yourself um uh, having to if somebody come, comes away with an entirely different interpretation, do you, do, you, um, do you have to argue your point on something? Well, occasionally I have to correct somebody. You know, yeah. Some people have referred to it as a deal with the devil. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my fault for being so coy in the sure. first chapter. But when, 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 it's, a, when it's, it's actually way. inaccurate. Yeah, yeah, and I have to say, well, he's actually yeah. death. Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> Because uh, eventually I spell that out. Yeah, but, and and the and the devil is I, I think the, the the better known of the two tropes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and it is a deal with the devil in the metaphorical sense, yeah. just not literal sense in the yeah. story. But yeah, I th- you know it has to be just a mistake. You know, it has to be so. Oh, oh no, I'm sorry. I you yeah. know like you that, that, that those two are not lovers. They're actually just friends, or you know whatever things like that. I'll point it out. Otherwise, yeah, if they have certain interpretations about like the meaning or the intent of it uh, i'll answer any question somebody says did you intend this as uh, you know as uh, a book to convince everybody to become harry krishna i'll have to say <laughs> no actually wasn't really thinking in that direction yeah 
But there's no there's no controlling how people interpret it. Sure. I'm I've already got my first crazy letter, and this is the only the first day, you know. So so yeah. Without going into too much details, I cannot go into, go into too much details. details. No, okay. I can't go into any details. Okay. But I have gotten my first crazy letter. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe um, maybe that's a good thing from the standpoint of you know it, it clearly affected somebody very very deeply. Yeah. Well, it definitely got them thinking. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But that happens. You know, in fact, I said to Ivy, I thought that this was going to get more um, unusual. The, you know, like it's I was... really early, I was, Scott. Yeah, <laughs> it's really early. Yeah, but I'm moving more into Neil's territory. I mean, like mm. I, uh, oh, Neil Gaiman's, yeah, yeah. you know, his work, you know, yeah. attracts more, you know, sort of dark reflections and, and delirious ideas sure. than, you know, things like, you know, here's how to make comics. Yeah. Check this out. Yeah. Here's how facial expressions work. You know, that stuff just tends to get me like 40-year-old electrical engineers and people like that. Very hyper-rational people. Um, depression, suicide, death. Mm-hmm. These are the things that you're, you're speaking of when you talk about this sort of darker, yeah, darker area. Yeah, I think I'm going to probably get... I'm going to hear from more people about their their inner emotional lives and, and you know, ways in which I set them off on weird uh, tangents of imagination. Some will be Some will be a little... You know, off the beaten path, let's say. But you know, I, I, it's worth it. You know, mm-hmm. I like this story. I wanted yeah. to tell it, and and you know, it's it's worth going there just for the sake of the story. Did, did the fact that that he, you know, you, you you do touch on this. You do touch on the fact that he's not technically allowed to use his powers for superheroics. I think at one point, <laughs> I think that's <laughs> well, it's that's actually a, spelled that's out. That's actually to him. just sort of his his dead, uh, you know, granduncle Harry's. Yeah. But, you know that, that, that this particular moment we're referring to is <laughs> is basically where David has used his powers to get revenge on a, yeah, on yeah, a yeah. rival artist, and um, and his his mentor, his his granduncle Harry, does he's a little upset that he's used it for something other than mm-hmm. for art, which was supposedly the deal. And uh, and David promises not, promises not to do it again. And there's a pause, and then and then Harry just says, and and no fighting crime either yeah and i gotta say i lifted that whole structure from repo man and harry huh. dean stanton arguing with emilio yeah. estevez in his car because i i always like the structure of that particular scene where where he says are you a commie kid i said no i'm not a commie because i don't want any commies in my car so i'm told you i'm not a commie and there's a pause and he just says and no christians either <laughs> i just love that 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 weird structure was it was it a bit of um was it a bit of handholding in a sense or at least sort of letting people know that this is not the direction the book is going to go in well by then i think they probably already figured yeah. it out that yeah. he's, he's not going to be putting on tights and yeah. fighting crime but uh, you know the fact that it hangs out there I think gives me the opportunity to make a joke about it because it's it's in the back of your mind. Sure, I mean this you've got like a, almost kind of a superhero story. Yeah, and and you've been you know you've been thinking about this story for a few decades. <laughs> um, so clearly, you know, clearly you've you've uh, put yourself in 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 his place and sort of um, you know had yeah. had a little little bit of fantastical thinking of what you would do given these powers. Yeah. Like we've all you know we all we we grew up with superhero books. We've all we've all thought about what you know. Well, that's that's just it. I, yeah. I spent I spent my whole career in a way kind of running away from superheroes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So this is also partially me kind of relenting and say, you know what? Okay, fine. That's part of. That's part of what I grew up with. You know, a lot of the stuff I've written has to have been, you know, superhero stuff. You know, yes, comics is about more than superheroes. But do I have it as part of my yeah. DNA, as part of my childhood, as part of my, you know, what I found in comics? Yeah, absolutely. 
it's part of especially American comics. Mm. And this is in a lot of ways a very American comic. It takes place in an American city. Mm-hmm. It's about uh, you know a loner, which is which is something that's peculiar to American comics. Mm-hmm. It has power fantasies involved in it. It it to me that makes it a very American comic. Even as I'm importing a lot of creative strategies from Europe and from Japan, it still to me feels like a, a real American graphic novel. When, when when we were discussing symbolism, I mean you know cer- certainly the the. The, the prevalence of abstract shapes play play seem to play a pretty pretty big role in that, right? Is that, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and you got to it. It's nice that you got to play with uh, with a lot of different things that you were fascinated with. You know, you've really and maybe it's because this has been incubating for so long that you've really been able to sort of like pick and choose from different parts of of your brain. So you've got yeah. you know you do have a superhero story, but it's a superhero who uses his power to create abstract largely art right <laughs> well also you know what's interesting about the story is like you know i do believe that that you have to have a very strong desire as the as the spine of a story i think mm. stories generally speaking yeah are really the life cycle of a desire and that creates conflict because that that desire always comes up against some the, kind the of protagonist obstacle. has to want something yeah the, the protagonist has to want something yeah. and to me that's the substance of stories the desire not the conflict but it bring it brings you to conflict very easily and and one of the things that can make a story interesting is if the thing that you are fighting against is amorphous or hard to pin down. Mm. You cannot. He, he's not angry. At, in, in a sense, the antithesis. He has a. Okay, what am I trying to say? He has a rival in the story, but mm. the rival is not the nemesis. He's not the enemy. He's not yeah. the antagonist. Yeah. He has, uh, you know, the uncle representing death, but he's not really the antithesis. Or uh, excuse me, he's not really the nemesis either. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not. He's not the enemy, right? Death is not the enemy. This is this is simply struggling about the very nature of what it is to be alive and to to be destined to die eventually. He can't be he can't be angry at anyone. He's not fighting anyone, hmm. and that makes it a more interesting conflict because it has to turn inwardly. He has to try to grapple with what it's all for. Yeah, and to me that that's just a more interesting story because it's not one I've read a hundred thousand times. Yeah, and and and. You know, with, with, without without giving the ending away, you know, with clearly what he's working towards is some way of externalizing those feelings that he's going through throughout the book. Is, is a way of like um, accurately translating the things that he's feeling into into art, into something that doesn't feel artificial into something that, that is actually a manifestation of what he's grappling well with. manifestation is a good word because it's not like he's not even really making it all he's doing is just reaching in and yeah and yanking it out you know and i think in a lot of ways the way the thing plays out really what he comes to is 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 something that goes beyond making art it's really just about doing what you have to do what you have no choice you just mm. do what you're compelled to do under the circumstances which which can be more interesting in some ways. Interesting, because you know, getting getting back to this idea of, of you sitting down deciding that you, you you really need to to make something. I mean, is that in a way is that fighting against just a natural impulse to create? I don't know. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure. Under understand the question. Well, well, you know, in the, in the sense that um, uh, I think you were saying in, in a way that that you know, in order to sort of like be real, that art has to be kind of organic, right? Well, 
well, it depends. There are a lot mm. of different kinds of art. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm sort of on record that I think that there are different tribes mm. of artists. So I would never devalue, for instance, the art that's just about trying things out and, and playing, you know, trying to deconstruct your, deconstruct your art form yeah. and try different things and the, the formalists and all. But for this story, it had to be more visceral. It had to be more intuitive. I wanted to create something that felt like it was created by somebody who'd never even stopped to think about what he was doing. He just did it. Because in a lot of ways, that's kind of the brass ring yeah. for overly calculated formalists sure. and tinkerers like me is to impersonate the other guy, yeah. right? To pretend to be that other kind of artist, the one who just reaches, you know, plunges their hand into mm -hmm. their chest and pulls out a, a flaming heart and slams it against the wall. You know, can I be that guy through sheer calculation alone? You know, right? It's it's like a magic trick. Yeah, of, of, of kind of completely looping around the circle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's because yeah. because I you know what do we do? Right? Yeah. What does the formalist do? What does the that that tinkerer that 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 inventor mind want to do? They want to fill up the space from floor to ceiling and from wall to wall to to plumb all the possibilities of their art form. Yeah, and part of that means expanding your ideas and imagination and intellect out into areas that you that should be off limits breaking through walls breaking through barriers well what's the biggest barrier for a guy like me it's that intuitive world it's it's being able to plunge into a world of mystery and instinct and and still somehow master that and come back with something that that feels alive. I, I guess what I was getting at in my very very convoluted question before was like that, that wasn't a convoluted answer. <laughs> well, <laughs> well I, maybe we're meeting halfway then, you know, because because you did you did you did approach you, you did approach the the answer to the original question. Good. We're getting lost in the weeds. I yeah. like that. This is good. This is uncharted territory. Um, I have no idea what I'm talking. Oh, about. Oh, good. <laughs> we'll have to do a follow up interview yeah, when you come to your senses. Good. Keep going. Um, what what I was saying is is uh, you know again when if this is a celebration of of uh, uh, the burning desire to create um, and and the importance of art as an organic expression, um, I, I was saying that it, you know it seems like the actual creation of of the book in some ways was is sort of the 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 opposite of that. I mean this is a deliberate book in any number of ways starting with oh, yeah. you actually sitting down and deciding that you need to create a work oh it's super deliberate you know like every, this, every inch of it is calculated mm. except for the the stuff like the molten stuff that yeah. began it so in other words I, I literally I, this I, stuff when you were 10 or how well yeah that, that the original yeah. ideas and then that that initial burst where I first did the story yeah um, but then everything else so like the editing the revising and the drawing was all like very conscious execution yeah but but the first part the first pass the first time I laid it all down I just had to put myself in that other state mm -hmm. right I listened to a lot of music, right? You yeah, know, like that. Yeah. Music was always going, and and I just tried to to I don't know, just to create this this um, this fever, you know, that allowed me to to I don't want to say draw from the heart feels a little corny, but something like that, you yeah. know, draw from much deeper down inside of me. But then once I was done, then on comes the editor hat, and it's time to revise and change and evaluate. And work out what is it about this doesn't work. I got to fix it now. It's it's a it's a particularly hard 
thing to do to be spontaneous in a form like this, um, like like comics and in a form like writing. And and I think that's why you know me as a as a 15 year old. I, um, uh, I don't know if you were the same, but th- this is the case with a lot of 15 year olds, particularly males. You know, was was had my um, you know my 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 Kerouac obsessions, my obsessions <laughs> with. Um, you know, sort of the, 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 the prose writer, the poetry writer trying to create, um, some equivalent on the page to jazz music, some, yeah, some equivalent yeah. to just sort of spontaneous creation, which is really, really hard to do when you're <laughs> writing a story. It's got to be doubly hard to do when you're writing a story and, and, and drawing pictures around it. I mean, it's not in, in some ways it's not really a form that lends itself to sort of pure, Organic creation, or at least, at least not pure, sustained organic. Well, creation. I wonder. You know, I think that the visual component, in some way, might have might have a more easy connection mm. with the mysteries mm-hmm. of creation. Um, you know, why does an image work? I mean, we, yeah. there's what the image describes, and then there's what the image can do as a collection of lines and and shapes and colors in one's mind. You know, what are the emotional resonances that an image has? It's sometimes much harder to describe. It's not so much that every picture is worth a thousand words it's Hmm. more that every picture is worth things that words can describe and things that words cannot describe could never describe um that's that's the beauty of pictures so i I feel like you know in telling stories visually i think maybe we are a little closer to that that fiery mystery i would agree with you except uh except that you know the, the difference between painting a picture and the difference between panel after panel after panel in a lot of cases you know really sort of repeating the same thing if you're if you're just sort of going off and um improvising from panel to panel you're not going to have a very consistent narrative right no well you've just described you know most of comics culture actually sure <laughs> there's a lot of sure there's a lot of seat of your pants storytelling there aren't a lot of super structured stories in comics today. yeah except that you know again like you know i mean you know you've you know what the character looks like you're you're you're, yeah. you're maintaining some some consistency as much i assume as much as you can across the the course of the book and and, and to me i i'm not somebody I'm, I'm somebody who you know gave up drawing a long time ago i'm not somebody who um really tells stories in a, in a, in a visual form but to me it seems um you know, there, it, there's always seemed to be a sort of a monotony around comics, and and you know, of, of actually having to okay, well, I've 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 done this beautiful story, and now I have to really sort of sit down and do do the dirty work. Yeah, what, what Chris Ware calls the slow motion picture stories. Yeah, yeah, These exactly. Incredibly methodical, difficult, yeah. slow things. Yeah, and doesn't and but you know you you feel like in in some way that's a little bit closer to this organic creation idea that we're trying to, to well, I, touch I, on. I guess I was just like it's sort of like the nature of visuals but yeah I mean there are different kinds of comics right yeah. you know so it can be very analytical very careful you know I think that what Adrian Tomine creates mm. for example is is much more um, you know methodical yeah. and and carefully thought out and step by step Chris Ware is probably a good example. Yeah, then something like like Jim Woodring yeah. when he's yeah, when he's yeah, yeah. Uh, blowing through his layouts. I know Jim Woodring said he works very fast when he's doing his layouts. Yeah. Now when he goes in to actually render the thing, now sure. okay, now he's a machine. He's a supreme craftsman. Well, we're talking. But that's that's a different phase of his yeah. process. And 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 um, I I had him on on the the show a few weeks ago, and this is every time I talk to Jim, I always have to talk about the same thing, <laughs> different <laughs> aspects, and we'll take different approaches. And he's yeah. you know created more work and. Uh, but but the first time I spoke to him is when that um, that book's uh, seeing things came mm-hmm. out, yeah. which was his, his charcoal drawings, and it was um, that that is that was the first I remember hearing him talk really sort of openly about these visions. And I only bring this up from the standpoint of like you know talk about pure 
um, translation of of an abstract idea of putting that on paper. Yeah. I mean, he is like th- that's the ideal, right? Jim Woodring is ideal from the standpoint of like he is harnessing something otherworldly and putting right. it on paper. You will never you never be able to quantify exactly yeah. what those images done do because uh, even Jim would yeah. necessarily claim to have the ability to fully interpret them. Um, you know, he had, oh, what was it? One of the stories that he did had this like little narration of somebody watching the story and trying mm. to describe what was happening mm-hmm. in the story. And I think he had said that, that that came from somebody else trying to do the same thing yeah. in his stories. And he thought, oh, this will be interesting to have this little. Yeah. Like, it, it's indescribable. How do you, how do you ever yeah. put it into words? I, I wonder. I wonder if it. I wonder if it's a little bit of the, the, the grass is always greener too. I mean, I wonder if you know these. I wonder if um, th- there isn't some envy of of um, the worth work ethic at the very least that goes <laughs> into this, and 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 of really sort of like sitting down and uh, formulating the way that you do. I mean, you know, you know, cer- certainly, certainly, no one is is as renowned as you are in terms of just like sort of. Struck knowing knowing what structures are and knowing you knowing what knowing what pieces of the puzzle are important. Well, well, I, I made it a specialty certainly. Mm-hmm. You know, to to be able to describe that stuff. Yeah, to you've be literally able to art- written the books. Right. On yeah. It. yeah. <laughs> right. To articulate yeah. that stuff. But it also that would that the special challenge then for me was to just like go running in the other direction. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I used every single tool in the book, right? Everything I wrote about in making comics and understanding mm-hmm. comics, I used every bit of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure that not a single one of them were still on the surface. Yeah, it'd, it'd be like a surgeon leaving his scalpel inside the patient. Yeah, you know, I had to, I had to make sure that. No, wait, actually, that that metaphor just took a gruesome turn. Yeah, it made it sound yeah, like it, I should leave the scalpel inside the patient. Because I said, don't leave it on the surface. That's not sure, what I meant. Sure. <laughs> okay. If any surgeons are listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not, I'm not recommending that. Yeah. But, <laughs> okay. Well, never mind the metaphors. <laughs> Whatever. I had to make sure that, that all of those techniques yeah. were invisible to the reader. Yeah. Um, but those same conscious techniques were needed in order to make those conscious techniques not visible. And let's be honest. Let's be totally frank about it. I mean, you know, you... There, there are a lot of people watching this, watching your, you yep. know, your first real self-contained book, and oh hell who, yes, who know the know your works back and forth, and and you know are are looking for are looking for the pieces and are making yeah. sure that you're adhering to your own gospel, right? You know, I'm hoping that somebody who knows who knows all of the tools, <laughs> right, and all of the techniques. What I'm hoping yeah. is that they will come to the book thinking, man, I can't wait to see how he's using these techniques. Yeah. And then they'll blink and realize they've read the whole book yeah. and forgot to look for anything. Yeah. That would be success. What 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 strikes me? I mean, a, a, another another thing that really strikes me about about the for, format of of the book and, and the pacing of the book is, um, it it seems to me like you're holding something in for a while, and then mm. you're, you're you're you were really you're you're very clearly building toward. A climax and and yeah. and insofar as uh, again trying to sort of reach that brass ring of pure expression um you get a lot closer towards the end there you know it's it, it you're you're really building up momentum to to hit that and i think you get i don't know correct me if i'm wrong but that probably as close as you've gotten in in any of your works is are the last several pages of this book mm, yeah well i'm really i mean like in terms of the broad pace, the the meta pace yeah. of the thing, yeah, that kind of buildup that you're describing is something that I definitely wanted to go for. And I, you know, th- this comes with length. It really helps to have 500 pages if you <laughs> want to 
really stoke those fires. To lay the foundation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah laying the foundation. It describes a lot of what I try to do with this, a lot of what I wish we could do in comics, but it's very difficult when you're working with very short lengths. Mm-hmm. Too many comics are just too damn short. Um, you need to lay the foundations. You need to lay the foundations dramatically. You need to lay the foundations emotionally. You need to lay the foundations in terms of world building, you know, to, to give people a sense of what society this takes place in, what kind of architectural environment, what kind of environmental, uh, you know, conditions there are. All of those things help to build a multi-layered, powerful experience by the time you're done. Mm-hmm. But they take yeah. time. They take time and effort. And that's something that seems to be in short supply out there. And I, I hope more people have the, you know, the the work ethic, but also the privilege of being able to work on a much longer works without worrying about starving. That would be nice, um, because because there's something tremendously satisfying about that. I keep going back to Wagner when it, you know at the beginning <laughs> of Parsifal. <laughs> that's a really really long intro at the beginning of that that opera. Yeah. Um, like 25 minutes or or, or whatnot. You know. Where where the thing goes very, very slowly, but it goes slowly because the man is building a mountain mm-hmm. of music, and it just takes longer. If you want to give that sense of scale, emotional scale or mythic scale, it just takes longer. You need to use the full orchestra and add extra trombones if you have to to get the bass notes, and you, but you, 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 it may take you 25 minutes to create that sonic landscape to yeah. the degree that you need to. I, I, I certainly had, had the experience, and, and I, I, I definitely need to go back and take more time with the book just because I, I read it as a reviewer, which... <laughs> I know, that's a bummer. It's yeah, is, is always a very different and experience. Ask uh, a and, question. And I read it, and I read it on, a ta- and on a tablet. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, the, the, I, I, had, I had an experience with this book, um, which I've had with some novels that I, I've really loved. Uh, um I think uh, 100, 100 Years of Solitude is the one that really mm-hmm. comes to mind um, insofar as um, as I'm reading it, you know, I'm enjoying the book. And then when I finish it, I love the book. It, mm. You know, that the payoff is so important yeah. to the book that, that, you know, at this book, I'm, I, I'm reading through most of it. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, this is a, a pretty, pretty good book. Again, I had to sort of get over, over the Faustian hump as it were, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, over yeah. the, uh, over the, Oh, he's working with something I've seen before. Yeah. Um, and then enjoying it through there and then really sort of, it's not until it's completed that, that I realize how much I liked that's wonderful, yeah. Um, well, I, I, in a, to say it another way, I, you know, I find that the stuff I like is stories. Uh, it's only when I finish the story that I really understand what yeah. it was about. Yeah, and you know, I think that that can be more interesting than you feel like you feel like, hey, I get it, I get what it's about. If you're feeling that two thirds of the way in, it's probably not quite working mm-hmm. for you. Yeah, it's only when you just enjoy it as a story, and then yeah, it starts to click in. Right, the whole of it becomes yeah. apparent once it's done. Well, you know what? That's how lives are. It's only when a life is over that that it really it comes into focus mm. what that life was, what it meant, and what it, what it was taken in its entirety. It all begins to make sense. That's how stories are. And you and and, and it's and it's not a, and it's not a, a trick. It's not trickery, and it's not 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 a twist ending. But you are very deliberate about not pulling back the curtain until the end. Yeah, of yeah. not really sort of revealing what it is until. Yeah. The absolute end of the book. Yeah, I mean, what kind of story you're reading? Yeah. yeah. You don't really know what kind of story you're reading for much of the book. Yeah. Was was what was was the creation of of the climax uh and the ending as enjoyable 
was that the most enjoyable part of actually working on the book? It was the hardest work. Mm. Creating the final scenes was the hardest. Visually, it's a lot more complex in a lot of ways. It's much more complex. It was incredibly hard, uh, laborious work. Um, But the hard work of this book was, oddly enough, was probably, um, that was some of the most gratifying aspects of it, was just how fucking hard it was (laughs) to draw this book. Um, I liked that. I needed something hard. Hmm. I needed something that I was going to have to work 11 hours a day, seven days a week on for four years, and then probably 13 hours a day, seven days a week for the last year, because I needed to know when I was done that I really had given it my all. Uh, if you had, if you had if you had you know if you'd created something in a year that that people still loved, if it was getting the praise that this book is now, mm-hmm. but you didn't invest as much of your life into it you don't feel like you would you would have the same the, the same payoff in the end no i do, i think i think i would have thought everyone was dummies <laughs> you know like if if there were things if there were things that i thought sucked and yeah. everybody else was um you know say, oh that's really brilliant i'll just say no it isn't mm. what are you talking about mm-hmm. you know there are i can look at any page of this book and i can see things that maybe could have been a little bit sure. better but i do know that it was the best i could do at the time i know yeah. that like I used every minute yeah. of that five years, and that's that's good enough for me. You know, I'll accept that. I'm never ever going to look at anything I drew and be a hundred percent satisfied with it. But I know that I pushed it and pushed it and pushed it until I got to ninety nine, and I and previous to that, I could barely make it past ninety six. You know, that's it's just that's that's the most I can ask for myself. Yeah. You know, it's just to do the absolute best I was capable of at that point in my life. This is this is world bringing us up since we're, we're getting to the end and you can't get too bad at me. But you know, back to the, the idea of the um of the of reading it on the tablet. Um, and it's okay, I forgive you. You know, you had no choice, and the, and you got the colors here, were good. Here's yeah. what I'm gonna say: the I thought the the climax of the book worked really well on the tablet. I could see the yeah those last pages. I yeah. could see were, would work okay. Colors would be nice and vivid. I uh, in terms of in terms of um, what you were doing with with the page and in terms of the way that the um, the panels played with each other, I think it works really really well when you're swiping. Yeah, that which, wouldn't be bad. Which yeah, I, I I do recommend that you just sort of like if you can bring yourself to do it, to sit <laughs> down and just and 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 look at um and and look at that because you know I I think I think it might it might be valuable to you as somebody who's obviously thought a lot about electro electronic comics. Yeah. Who's thought a lot about the infinite canvas, um, and 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 the fact that like you know like let's be honest, this is what we always this is what I talk about every time I talk about my podcast and and what I'd like to do with the podcast is that that I think that the the, the problems with the the podcast and the reasons why I've made some very um, clear decisions on, on this one is because I think like every other new medium, um, people are just taking what they know in the old one and, and shoehorning into the new one, right? Yeah. So yeah, podcast, the shape the shape of the previous. Yeah. Uh, form is going to be the the content of the new form. Yeah, it's a, you know most of these at this point are still recycled radio shows, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but 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 I you know it's interesting in a way that that again I'll, I'll you know have to to pick up a paper copy, but mm. I think it might be interesting for you to just sort of look at how like in some ways maybe it actually plays plays better electronically. No, I should actually. I think yeah. that'd be a really interesting comparison. We're, we're getting the we're getting the two minute or maybe it was three minutes. Okay. Fingers were cut off. You might be I drunk. was committing closure. <laughs> See, uh, I was imagining the third <laughs> finger, finger possibly. Which finger? <laughs> he's doing this, oh, okay. but, the, but the door was cutting him off. You know, in understanding comics, yeah. my my character that was my editor for 
in, in the extremely unlikely event that this part of the conversation is preserved, oh, it, I will say that my in there. I will say that my editor came in and gave us like the three minute mark, yeah. but his his hand was being yeah. cut off, so I only inferred the third finger, <laughs> and um, uh, all I thought was was how my character in understanding comics only had three fingers uh, throughout the book, and at one point he says. Uh, you know, this this happens in three ways or something <laughs> like that. But I couldn't have him hold up three fingers and have that be his only fingers. So yeah. I have it right at the edge of the panel so your your eye yeah. kind of completes the other finger that doesn't exist so it's not distracting. Makes you think. Makes you think of how, how different our, our, our numbering system would be if we had <laughs> yes, a different number be. of digits, right? It would be very different. How, how much, how much of, of what we know about the world is, is, is predicated on the amount of digits that it most of us It would make it easier, actually, if we had, if we had only yeah. four, uh, three fingers. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting. Three, three is in a lot of ways a pretty base number. Well, three. No, I'm saying the three and a thumb. Oh, three, right. Yeah, so okay. you have eight Four, all together. Yeah. You know, it's binary. It's yeah. nice. It's easier. Um, four years of your life you're looking at right now you seem you seem five to, five years of your life you seem to be pretty happy <laughs> oh oh to do it in only four <laughs> can you imagine um <laughs> I, is is this you know is this is this I, I don't want I don't want to ask the question of you know like what are you working on now but like um could you be spending another five years working on a single thing I don't think I'd have to you know mm. I don't I don't imagine myself doing a book longer than this yeah and I do imagine that if I did a book even as long as this, it wouldn't take as long. Yeah. Because I had to relearn how to write. Mm. I had to relearn how to draw. Yeah. I had to teach myself all this stuff that, that I know now. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> now, just, now, the, now, now the author of Understanding Comics knows how to write and yeah, draw. Yeah, I actually know how to do it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah. Well, it probably wouldn't take the, yeah. quite that long. But, yeah, I would love to dive into another substantial book, but not right away because the next book I want to do is nonfiction. Okay. Um, do you still have old stories waiting in the waiting in the back? Corner? I do have some others okay. like sitting around in that three ring yeah. binder, but um, I don't know. It's quite possible that I might do something that I haven't even thought of yet. It's yeah. hard to predict. Yeah. Um, you, you know, the, the nice thing about it is that there's there's there, there's uh, a precedent for it for it in, in the form of Bone, which is you yes. know, <laughs> there, there is somebody who like you know because that that would always be my fear is you know something I don't know if something that I thought made thought of when i was 10 is really something that i want to spend for it's years a danger <laughs> yeah it's a, it's something that yeah. i actually warn people against yeah. and it was actually one of the reasons uh, yet another reason why this sat in my back pocket for as long as it did because i had to ask myself continuously okay do yeah. i want to go dredging into that maybe i should just let it go story <coughs> excuse me the story kept tugging at me and tugging at mm. me there you go. That was a fantastic Scott McCloud. Uh, first of all, I want to apologize to all the interviewees currently winning the back burner right now. Uh, Scott's new book came out last week. On for a second, the sculptor. I wanted the interview to to come out as as close to the release of the book as as was humanly possible. Um, we recorded it last week. Scott was in town in, uh, in New York doing a talk at the 92nd. Why? Uh, I had a chance to uh, to sit down with him right before that at the at the first second office in the historic Flatiron Building. Um, I interesting interesting little side note here. Maybe not interesting. Interesting to me because you know after all of these years, um, you know interviewing artists from from first second and, and, and working with them and all these different. 
different ways. Um, I finally got a chance to go to the offices. And, you know, you walk into or you expect to walk into a, a comic publisher's office and you expect to be bright and, and, and cheerful. You know, uh, you know, Fantagraphics is in kind of an old house in Seattle. Um, I, the, the Marvel office, uh, they have different conference rooms named, named after superiors the time that I went was in the, the Namor room. Uh, you know, so I was expecting something from a, from a bright and colorful comics publisher like for a second nothing on the walls at all it was very stark i think they have some sort of issue maybe because it's a historic building they can't put stuff up but uh I, you know i went uh the publicist gina who comes up a few times in the conversation uh walks me down to meet with scott in a conference room and, and uh opens up the door and uh, scott and his wife ivy are both sitting in there and it's just this like blast of color so they do have this one really uh beautiful conference room with, with like rows and rows and rows of all all these cool kids books and some giant giant stuffed animals i don't know you know come on for a second more stuffed animals in the office uh thanks uh thanks to Gina for setting it up thank you so much to scott for for taking the time to uh, to sit down with me really really fascinating conversation i hope you guys enjoyed it as much as i did um scott's somebody that i've been wanting to get on the show for a while but for obvious reasons he hasn't really been um he hasn't been speaking speaking too much i mean number one he, he lives he lives in california i don't think he's out in uh new york all that often uh but more importantly he's been working on this book for the past five years so i think he's very much had his his head down but uh is now now uh, i think really ready and really excited to actually talk about the book um and it's it's always fascinating speaking to somebody about their work, somebody who um, I think is is kind of as analytical about their stuff as any critic could possibly do, because he's clearly got a lot of thoughts about it, some things he's more willing to, to talk about than others for, for obvious reasons. But I thought that was a really, really fascinating conversation, um, you know, about, uh, again, because Scott, Scott is best known, cover this a little bit in the conversation, but he's, he's best known for... Uh, books like Understanding Comics. So he really, he really kind of set the template for, for, for teaching comics and for interpreting comics with these uh, with a series of books that he did. So you know, she was on the other foot now. Um, so super, super interesting conversation. I thought. So thank you so much, Jen, for taking the time to do that. Thanks, uh, thanks to Ivy for um, being very, very patient. Uh, during that hour-long conversation, I think you know, thank, thank, thanks to her for laughing at some of my jokes as well. I'm always, always much appreciated. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, lots more to come. If you liked what you heard, you can rate us on iTunes. Uh, give us some stars. We could always use some more stars over there. Um, also, while you're at iTunes, you should check out some of the many other fine podcasts in the Boing Boing Podcast Network. Uh, if you have any feedback, it's rylcast at gmail.com. Our Tumblr is rylcast tumblr.com that is your first and best place to catch all these shows as i mentioned at the top of the conversation a lot a lot of episodes coming up in the can right now i'm very excited to bring them all to you i uh, had, had three very wonderful ones last week so we will be back uh just about this time next week oh i didn't think ryan oh after 90 after 90 uh some odd episodes i almost almost forgot to thanks brian thank brian as so thank you to brian as always for editing the show together um, uh, and uh, we will be back uh, next week with another episode of RIYL.